Greetings and salutations. I hope your day is both tranquil and fulfilling. I am Athanasius, and welcome back to the podcast of the Boldly Immortal. I recently had the opportunity to re-engage with the stewards, and this is the first of a three-part series from that conversation. Since I've been working locally to to try and catalyze the guys I've got here, um, what has been going on for y'all, uh, specifically in the stewards Discord, and um, how how is that coming out in what you're doing on uh, in the field? Pun intended. I think one of our biggest things was the fact that we brought in Pastor Miranda here, and... Honestly, I'd like to give him a chance to talk about what he's got going with Lyra since joining up with us. Uh, brief editor's note here. Lyra is the Lutheran Institute for Regenerative Agriculture run by Pastor Christopher Mirandi in southwest Iowa. Yeah, great. Thanks. Um, we're, things, things are actually accelerating in uh, a lot of different ways. Um, both on on this this property itself, we just had a family uh, come come out and spend the week with us, and my goodness, we just plowed through a ton of work. We're working on the the barn, which is eventually going to become dormitory space, uh, event space, conference space, all that sort of thing. Kind of the hub of this whole project. We got that. Uh, pretty much two thirds cleaned out, so that we can start doing uh, positive uh, construction work and. Uh, we've got a couple out here, a retired couple from Wyoming, that are helping me do that. So we're uh, we're moving along great with that. In fact, I have one intern this summer, and I was at the Luther Classical College conference in uh, Casper. Uh, what was that? A week ago? Two weeks ago? And uh, I was approached by a couple of college students from Bethany Lutheran College that are looking at doing their internship out here next summer. So um, that's, there's a lot of, they're, they're at least considering it. So that's, it's not a for sure thing and they got to run it through the school if, if indeed they decide they want to do this option. And so I've already got kids lining up to come out here, which is really, really cool, which is amazing and awesome. And we'll just kind of see how that how that part of it continues to develop so we're working on our infrastructure working on getting all all the ducks in a row literally today um here on this property nicely and then on the other front i most of you saw the interview i did with the catholic land movement that was an incredibly i mean the the gentleman mike mike thomas i think michael thomas who i spoke to just an incredibly uh, articulate man who uh, um, ha has a great grasp of um, agrarianism and that intersection with theology and the and the church, and presented to me in in my mind a a vision of what uh, say the stewards could do, and I I'm, I'm excited to see. I think I'm out of the loop this week because we've been working so hard. But uh, but it's exciting to see mm -hmm. that the stewards are kind of taking up that um, that model and exploring ways to make it happen uh, amongst. Um, I know we're not only Lutherans; we got a lot of Lutherans. We're not only Lutherans amongst Protestants. We'll just put it that way 
in my mind, uh, this is what I'm seeing with the group, and I need to read the messages so I can kind of get back, get up to speed with with the conversations going on. But the Catholic land movement, in essence, is parish-based, communal, communal in the sense, not that, you know, you own one piece of land and everyone's working it, but communal in the sense that you have different families working together to feed their community, to feed their congregation, to feed each other. And, um, you know, maybe you don't have the dairy cow, but the, but the person you go to church with does, that sort of thing. Um, and centered around the parish, centered around the congregation. And then they have demonstration farms, which are supposed to kind of pop up here and there around the country where young people, and maybe not just young people, but anyone can go out and learn the skills to then go back to their parish and and do some of these things. And, and that's kind of, I mean, to me, that model uh, is incredibly attractive. Uh, the demonstration farm uh, the, of the Catholic land movement sounds exactly like what I conceive of our project as being. Um, so I'm incredibly fascinated. I'm really excited to see the stewards. This is a very tangible thing. Uh, it's good for us to be online and to be encouraging one another uh, and, you know, sharing pictures of our the stuff we're growing and that sort of thing. That's awesome. Uh, this is taking it to another level to to then say, okay, how how can we revitalize rural congregations uh, and send mm -hmm. Know, young people or or anyone uh out to out to different parishes uh to then um work the land and also and also provide you know oh i guess revitalization i don't like that term because it's been co-opted but I, I suppose that's what it is uh of of uh of small parishes um mm -hmm. so i i think that's incredibly exciting it's incredibly can can do this can uh, can move forward so any questions what have we been able to do to help you so far uh to, to help me so far um the connections and the people that i'm getting connected with that that's been that's been the big thing and you know we're going to now now that this kind of blitz of a week is getting over we started up the new channels uh, one for uh, for helpers, and then I think one for for updates. And I'm gonna start posting up up different tangible things. And of course, that that's not something that you know someone from North Carolina is going going to be able to do. But uh, you know, people right. people in the region, uh, you know, I I've, we've got a well drilling kit sitting in our sitting in our closet, and uh, um, so at some point we're ready to drill a well, and that's not something that I'm getting to, obviously. Um, so that might be something. Or what kind of well are you talking? Real interested in that? Maybe has has done that sort of thing before. Would like to learn. You know how that how that kind of all works. Hey, come on out. <laughs> Spend a couple days out here with us, and we'll and and I'll I'll you know I'll send you the YouTube links for and uh, uh, you can get kind of educated, and then come on out and let's let's drill a well. Um, Try not to break I need it too a many Joel times. Salatin chicken tractor. We need a yeah. What? I said, try not to break it too many times. The well drilling kit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we we've got a. We I need to build another Joel Salatin chicken tractor. You know. So and and so maybe someone just wants to come out. You know, that's probably a day or two process. You know, to 
put one of those together, but maybe that'd be something they would really enjoy doing and learn. You do it once and then it's going to be a lot quicker the next time for their own project. So, you know, things like that, um, right. project based. So I'll, I need to start posting some of those up there. So that, that's a tangible way uh, to help out in what we're doing. I, I think a lot of it's spreading the word. Um, if we're going to get this barn done, we need some capital. Not a huge amount of capital. We're not like we're not talking, you know, like what Luther Classical College needs. Uh, but we 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 need a little bit of cash um, to get this to get this thing going. So if there are people with uh, that the Lord has blessed, you think uh, would like to hear about this project and and maybe maybe be interested in supporting it, then point them off, point in my direction. I'm also though it seems like they seem to just kind of come, but. Uh, Oh, kids, you know, young young people of the church who you think might be interested, point them in my direction. We can see. I I, I really think every internship here is pro probably going to be kind of unique in in how it's going to be set up and what the what the desires of the student are and and uh, you know what what they want to learn and what they want to do. Um, so I'm right now. I mean, I I don't have a lot of kids, so I can be pretty particular. I, I pretty particular in the sense of designing an appropriate program for them. Yeah, and then to tie into last, uh, our last stewards meeting, I know there's quite a bit of a discussion on increasing uh, social events and kind of coming together. And I'm hoping that uh, someday we might be able to get a young adults retreat at Lyra and uh, combine that with some, some mm -hmm. good heavy lifting that's needed and uh, provide some good socialization. And I think that'd be fun. That'd be awesome. We we had had the suggestion of of uh, of a retreat, um, like a men's retreat, and I think I threw out the date. I can't remember which date it was. I, uh, October fifteenth or something like that. It's on it's on the Discord. Um, okay. I think we'll kind of just set that as a hard date, and we'll see who can who can come out for that. Uh, but yeah, we we'd be glad to have have a group of, of stewards out. At any point, that'd be that'd be a lot of fun. As far as all of that goes, Titus, with the four points you had last week, last week, last meeting, how can we tie that together to make things more productive in our areas? Do you think the initial impetus for having that list was to begin thinking about localities, and to think about localities not as exclusively our own churches and our own people but to expand it to the to the realization that that we're trying to build alliances that's what we're doing that's what we need mm -hmm. to do reaching out to the catholic land movement is essential because if you're just repeating what they're doing and trying to do it in parallel at a certain point you're you're weak if you're trying to compete but if you're doing the same thing and yeah. you're coordinating and you're cooperating and you're saying, well, hey, if, if you can't come here, these guys over there are doing a fantastic job. It, it reduces the overall infrastructure that we need and it actually builds connections that can then be used for greater effect. We're not trying to win the, the fight for the doctrine of justification against the over and against the, um, the sodomy that we're seeing and the um, frankly anti-Western spirit that has engulfed many of our institutions. 
you have to you have to ally yourself with people who you are going to disagree with and who are going to have slightly different priorities than you but if you don't you're not going to achieve anything if we only stay within our own interest groups if we only stay within our own online subcultures we're going to be weak and fractured and we're going to be entirely dependent on the internet infrastructure which is itself not something that we control once we control all of the internet that's a different question and whether that's something that we should be pursuing is another question as well but until right. then what do we have thanks be to god the roads are free and mostly free and the ones that aren't free probably are better quality <laughs> so we've got roads that you can drive on and get places but how many people can you walk to who are actually allied with your interests and how would you know and are you willing to overlook the fact that maybe they're slightly theologically different where where are we willing to draw those boundaries and this is where understanding catholicity not as the romanists would say it but as we would confess it in our creeds that the universal church of christ is not limited to simply whatever church body we specifically may belong to that there's a confession and an understanding of who jesus is and what he has done that unites us as as a principle of life and Christians of goodwill who believe these principles need to come together. We don't need to worship together, but we need to coordinate our political action at the very least. Um, this is a basic elite theory idea. And for any of you who did not get a chance to listen to my fantastic chat with the Audacitor, uh, he has a, a, a wonderful three-part series on the podcast about political theory. Uh, highly recommend it because his... Uh, because as we dove into the minutiae, the, the, the nuance and the difficulties of dealing with a political sphere, it really brings to light the complication that that has. Um, at a certain point, you need elites on your side. Well, do your elites need to be completely lockstep with you or do you simply need to be friends with them? To the point where if you said, hey, <laughs> right. this is hurting me, you say, hey, this is not good for my people. They actually care. That's what you're looking for. That's what we're trying to build. Not not trying to subdivide into our own little perfect groups to run off into the countryside. Really what, we, what we're looking to do is coordinate and network and build real groups of people, groups of real people, talking with each other, working together, and building forward a foundation such that... When the hard times come, because they're going to come, the next shock is not going to be like COVID. It's probably going to be worse. And it's not going to be worse yeah. in the same vector as COVID. It'll be worse in some way that we're not ready for it. The I'm reading a fantastic book by uh, Nassim Talib on this concept uh, that if you want a system to withstand challenges, you don't need robustness. Robustness is the ability to handle uh, a challenge or a um, you know a, a benefit with equal stability. You're not you're not going to be you're not going to be benefiting from uh, instability. We need to build systems that benefit from instability, and the hu humans work this way. 
you you grow your muscles by straining them. So let's start straining the muscles that are that are under attack, the the social muscles. Let's start working to build a community. Let's build real interactions. Let's build walkable spaces in a world that's under assault by the automobile. It, it and where frankly automobiles are likely to get much less uh available if the environmental regulations continue going the way they're going what do you do do we do we wait until gasoline is no longer available and electricity is rationed before we start figuring out how to work together to conserve the resources we have and to to operate in a viable community or is our only option to rebel to up and you know, riot in the streets if something goes in a way that we're not ready for or alternatively just completely capitulate these are these are not mutually exclusive possibilities that that have no alternative the alternative is we start working together that yeah. that context there leads into then i think the the actual principles that are not principles but challenges that i've put forward to myself and the group uh for last last meeting and just to restate those um the first one would be to find the churches in my area that are aligned theologically with mine. So in the LCMS, this is my circuit. And just see where they are and figure out, are they actually theologically aligned with you in all of the little things that you're dealing with or are they not? And talk to your pastor about these things. Uh, it's been enlightening for me to endeavor to do this and to see where the support's coming from and where this, the circuit priorities are. The district priorities is another way. Um, they're not always aligned with the things that we in my church are pushing for, but the church down the road might be. And that's the next question. Right. Not just who's theologically aligned, but who's down the road from you. Who actually is down the road from you? Have you have you looked at those churches, not with disgust, but actually with you know, with thankfulness in your hearts to God, knowing that there are others who confess the truth, even if they are, you know, uh, impure in their theology, as you as the they're they're not fully understanding the 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 depth and richness of what Scripture provides. Perhaps, perhaps not. Have you gone there? Have you spoken with these people? Do you understand their language? Can you appreciate that God at least puts you someone who confess? That, that Christ is Lord near you. This is a good thing. You don't have to commune together, but you should probably at least see if they see the same threats as you, because if they do, they're a friend, they're an ally. And it's the same thing within your own church. So now, now that you've got an understanding that there's a theological struggle that we're coming up against where churches are under assault, is your own church stable? So maybe that's the first layer, really. Uh, it was the third point I mentioned, but it's the it's the base layer. How is your church? And do you have guys there who, if something happens again and they tell you to shut down your church, or if something happens and you can't afford to run your church or the bills aren't getting paid or whatever, do you have men in your congregation? And think about this also in your local community. Who are your allies? Yes or no? And are you encouraging people to to join that? Are you reaching out to make friends with whoever whoever God has put in your proximity? We should be. Um, and then finally, do you know what your proximity is? Do you have a map of, of your, your locality? 
maps are incredibly valuable because it gives you an understanding of the lay of the land without having to explore everything yourself. If somebody has put in the effort to give you insights into your own area, don't just ignore that and try to rebuild everything yourself. And this is a, a broader idea as well. Any place where there is an institution that is already operating, it is worth taking that institution and what it does and trying to preserve it or utilize it for what we're going towards in the future. Restarting institutions, restarting organizations is incredibly difficult. Things that are dead and bringing those back to life, it's hard. Finding what is and sustaining it or, dare I say, um, looking at something that already exists and co-opting it. These are, these are very good options. So rather than trying to do Google's job all over again, Google has done a fantastic job of mapping the world. Kudos. Use it. Use it and, and maybe preserve it in case Google does decide to remove that and use it while you can, while you have avail <laughs> the availability. Use it as a force multiplier for what you already have been given. Those are, those are really your four, your four basic concepts of establishing some awareness. This isn't for building your full like, powerful community. This is about being aware of who's in your area that you could work with so that you don't have to go halfway across the, the country to do this. You don't have to even leave your state to do this. And while it's going to be good to get together with those who, in this group, for example, who have these common interests, learn to build where you are because that's, that's what God has given to you. And that's what's going to be available if something hits the fan. The end of the world as we know it is upon us. Who's by your side? Who's standing in your shield wall? To that end, I'm just going to go like uh, through how y'all are on my phone here. Trent, how far do you drive to get to church? So I drive, so I'll actually give a little bit of an update from the earlier one, because I just moved from Wisconsin down to Indiana. And this gets back oh, yeah, that's through, right. yeah, this gets back in what Titus was saying about geography. So I live in Indiana down in Sullivan. Um, that's a south, uh, it's 30 miles or not 30 miles, 30 minutes south of Terre Haute. There's an LCMS congregation, a confessional liturgical parish up there. Uh, I think they got like 800 to 1400 members on the rolls. Um, that's of course the north to the west, Wilburn Robinson, which is across the river. Cause the river makes that boundary line between Indiana in Illinois. And there's only three bridges. Uh, I want to say along 60 miles of river. So there's a bridge from Sullivan into Robbins where I work. There's a bridge across the river at Terre Haute in Illinois. And there's a bridge south over Vincennes into Illinois. So that the physical borders actually matter. Because if you want to say, hey, live a little bit down south in between Sullivan and Vincennes, and you got to work in Robinson, you're looking at like an hour drive. Um, if you want to live up oh, in wow. Terre Haute, hour drive. If you want to live down in Vincennes, hour drive. It's because there's only three bridges. So the other LSMS Parish, it's 30 minutes in Robinson. And I went to church there this last Sunday. And actually, Reverend Piazza, he was just established there or installed there in the last six weeks. Um, I was able to meet him and we're on the same lines, which is really good. 
but it's a small parish. It's a newer building, but I want to say on average, you're looking at probably 10 to 14 people showing up for the service, and there's only about 24 to 30 people on the rolls. So it's it's one of those things where, and you're also looking at, especially when you get further south in different areas, it's like, okay, what's food? And this gets back to what Miranda is saying about kind of what the project there is, about, hey, we're going to have this uh, demonstration farm. People come and they learn as kind of a hub, and then they go out and they do things on their own. Well, over in Robinson, there's what for food? There's Walmart, right? Okay, over here in yeah. Sullivan, what's there for food? There's Walmart, and there's a Save-A-Lot. If you want Kroger, if you want any of the other bigger brands, you got to go up into Terre Haute. And there's just not a whole lot of options. There's two butchers in the area. But it's like, okay, well, if you start changing things around where, yeah, people are growing their own crop, they are growing their own livestock, and we have those skills to provide for food, it's like, well, if Walmart pulls out, if Walmart can't get the food because things go crazy, well, we have effectively our own food network set up, and we can provide for the local community as much as it's tied in. And also down here in the south, there's a lot more churches that are actually active. There's a uh, Methodist church a block north of me. There's a Nazarene church two blocks north of me. There's a First Christian church a block south of me. There's like 10 churches here in Sullivan, and Sullivan is a population of 4,500, about, right? And I'm running, I'm because of my workouts, you know, I'm running in the streets all around. I'm in here in town until I get a house. So I'm running past all these places, and I'm seeing them. In addition to, I've driven the majority of uh, Sullivan County here and Crawford County across the border in Illinois when I was doing scouting for housing. And, I mean, effectively what we're doing here is kind of getting that, you know, when things fall apart. Well, things already have fallen apart, in my opinion. You know, we're children of the ashes. And so yeah. we're we're now on the island. We've been shipwrecked on the island, and we're standing around with a bunch of people staring at each other going, okay, well, now what? It's like, okay, well, the first thing you need to do is understand, okay, what's your goals? What's your goals? What's your goals? Getting back to the ha- actually conversing with people, you know, thinking of, you know, a, a church body as an individual person. You know, so if I, Trent, of the um, Our Redeemer congregation in Robinson can go up to the Methodist church here in Sullivan as opposed to, yeah, it'd be nice to have our Redeemer talk to Emmanuel up in Terre Haute, but say that doesn't happen. Well, 30 minutes away, we have another parish that's, even though they're across the river, they can, you know, they can talk that way. And of course, there's parishes um, over in Robinson, but I haven't done as much scouting over there. But it's, it's on, you're on the island. Each church is its own individual. So, you know, the individuals are like, okay, what do we want to do? What new social contract do we want to form effectively a society or civilization, a state of being? To benefit everybody that's that's the whole point of why you do these things in the first place like okay well i can't do everything by myself what can you do well you can't do anything on yourself what can i do for you and it's it's being honest about those things not only what we can do but also where we're at physically mentally and spiritually going on making something of it that's kind of both of those questions kind of with the tie-ins um that's kind of why i also see why it's so these specific points are so important um because, yeah, we, we say, yeah, line on map means something. Well, we'll get into discussions about Chicagoland versus the rest of Illinois. And, yeah, if there, is, if there is an actual movement down here in Illinois to secede over to Iowa or Indiana, same thing that a lot of the Washington counties are doing on the eastern side of the state to join with Idaho, that would probably happen because the culture is just that much different. 
Um, yeah. And so again, it's it's like, hey, what are your goals? What are your? Go-? It's actually conversing again, but with the whole yeah. technology thing, the car thing, the travel thing, the convenience thing, we just don't interact that way anymore. And now we have to go ahead and reform those connections. We're touching grass again, effectively. We're just mm-hmm. re- being real about things again. So. And you actually answered my second question in all that. Uh, so you're driving 30 minutes to get to a church whose confession you agree with, and then you said you have two churches within one block of you, right? For my part, I drive roughly 30 minutes to get to church as well, and it's not a block because I, I live in a rural area, but within a... Within a 10-minute jog, I've got a Reformed church would be the closest one to me. You and I are just about the same on that. Cora, how far do you drive to get to church? Three minutes. Three Um, minutes? Wow. (laughs) So there are two Catholic churches within three minutes of me and another one. Like, I'm just, I'm surrounded. So, and then there's a Lutheran church two minutes away. There are a lot of churches in my town. I I don't know where all of them are, but there's <laughs> I drive past a lot of them within 15 minutes. I'm less worried about uh where all of them are because I I've I've really learned how major of a question that is with all this traveling that I've been doing and speaking to churches and that there's a lot to be said for speaking to all of them. I've I've definitely learned a lot, and I've made some connections there that I think are going to be important. But with some of the stuff that Titus just said, it's really got me thinking that I think I think the most important points of contact for us in a lot of ways are going to be the church we attend and the one that we can reach the fastest on foot. Yeah, there are a number of people that attend my church that drive 30 to 40 minutes to be there on weeknights just to attend a service. It, not a, oh, like, wow. For the heck of it. Because they don't fit well with their parish near them. There's there's plenty of churches 30 minutes away from here, close to them, but we we have a really amazing pastor. Yeah, and if I could actually vision off of what Cora's saying. So I came from Cora's area. And there's actually a couple Lutheran guys, um, some of them here actually in the Stewards Discord and also in the RevFist Discord. Um, but uh, myself and the one guy, um, before I moved, I was driving an hour south or an hour north to go to church. And there was other LCMS congregations in the area, but, you know, these are ones that, you know, they didn't have the same values. And that was, you didn't even have to talk about the whole you know, what, what's their purpose about stuff because they laid it out really easy during COVID whether they shut down or not. Um, now we right. have to go ahead and we have to actually, you know, hey, we're past the COVID thing. That's 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 one step. Um, how important is receiving the body and blood of Christ on a regular basis? But also now we're getting to these other societal questions um, that need to be answered going forward um, that will further be delineated. But yeah, you have people driving all over especially if they're faithful if they're theologically faithful because that's the difference too there's a lot of people who are more unitarian that they want to say they just slap christian on it and they think it means something a lot of times these individuals i don't think it's so much that they they're hungry for something they've just been sold something that tastes good at the time being but it's not actually wholesome Mm -hmm. um 
So and it's on that making point, those connections. On that point, I drive an hour to go to the, the church. An hour? I remember an hour. Yep. It's it is my wife's family's church. We've got a very good community. Uh, it's a very faithful congregation, very much community driven, and, and there is a large number of small families. It's it's just an amazing congregation. Now I have my irons in the fire in multiple because there's there's the one we drive in R2 that we're members of. There's a second church that we drive 25 minutes to get to, and that's where my daughter will be going to preschool. Um, that is also a very good faithful congregation that uh, wants to hopefully, fingers crossed, uh, build a Lutheran classical K-12. Um, and so I want to be able to support mm -hmm. that. And so, uh, and then the third church is literally a block uh, from our house. It is the LTMS congregation that, that we attend uh, just to be able to connect with with the local community and, and have that congregation and, you know, still be able to receive Lord's body and blood and also connect with the, the people that live literally right next door to us. So three different irons in the fire, pretty much go to each one kind of equally, I would say. So in a lot of ways, you're already doing exactly what we're kind of getting at here and building the connection between three different churches there. That's yeah. pretty cool. Uh, Pastor Chris, I imagine the one that you're at is, I rather, I imagine your church is both your closest church and the one you drive to, is it not? Yes, yeah, yeah, so, uh, well, and, and just because of the uniqueness of my situation, we are, we are, we are just, what, uh, six miles away from, from, a, uh, the church that my wife grew up in, but, uh, the churches I serve are 35 and 45 minutes away. Oh wow! The road, so yeah, they, we, and so it, we, you know, it's interesting because we've had the opportunity here to interact with, you know, those churches that share our confession, so they're Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod congregations, but uh, through homeschool and homesteading connections, you know, we're we're connecting with Wisconsin Synod folks, and we've got a home really close friend homesteader family that i i'm not sure what they are but uh uh but um so i i it's interesting to see see the connections that the lord puts in front of you if you're willing as 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 titus emphasized quite rightly that you're willing to kind of step out of that bubble and and talk to others and uh so as far as i i wanted to make this comment as far as the catholic land movement goes I, I really think we should be partnering with them. I'm not sure Michael Thomas is terribly interested in ecumenical connections, but if we can get in touch with some of these local parishes, then I think we Absolutely. can do we we can we can connect with them. Unfortunately their website is not showing the different chapters yet. So that that I think would be really that would be really fruitful. He's aware of us now. You know he knows what we're doing, and yes. we'll we'll just we'll see, we'll see we'll see how things develop from there. So Hesiod, what's your what's your drive looking like? About Thirty minutes. Uh, I have no churches within like ten minute walk. They all have to be driven to. It's the suburbs. So, uh, what is the closest one? The closest one is a Methodist church, technically, <laughs> but I don't know. I've never been there. Do you know how that Methodist church has jumped as far as their split goes? Nope. And how far away are they? Maybe five-minute drive. 
five minutes right oh that's not terrible uh, before we move on oh titus i didn't ask you yes well i'll i'll use this and i'll i'll use it as an opportunity to talk about some more ideas because that's what i do i live in rockford illinois and just on the outskirts, right. technically, I moved here because I'd been working with Pastor Jonathan Fisk on the Sons of Solomon prayer discipline as an idea of how how we can approach prayer as men, uh, how we can get back into the Psalms, especially as the prayer book of the Bible, realize that Jesus is the Lord um, and and from that, see what good we can get out of it. See what, what could possibly come. And over the course of the last uh, two years, not even two years, we've, we've put together our own uh, little booklet, prayer booklet to send out to people to get, equip them to do this themselves and share it with other men and start building unity, not around philosophical ideas of how organization needs to happen, but around the specifics of what God's word says about life and who we are, our identity as Christians. So I moved to Rockford so that that mission could be accomplished more smoothly. And God opened up the most amazing place for me to stay. It's, it's just where it needs to be. Um, I'm about f a five minute drive from church. It's a 30 minute walk that I've done frequently it's a 15 minute bike ride that I've done frequently. And so I'm, I love, I love this little area. Um, it's, it's very proximate. I've got some other local churches nearby, but that's the closest church I've got is the one I attend. Um, and I moved here specifically, nice. I moved here specifically with the intention to do that with a desire to be proximate because it's worth sacrificing to be to have that proximity, to have that opportunity to increase whatever whatever's going on there into our community. So expand the local activity into a broader community movement. There are other places I could be which would have closer access to other commodities, other, other activities or um, things of that sort. It's not where I ended up. And I'm very fortunate in that regard. So in one aspect, I, I want to, I don't want to condemn anyone who has, by the grace of God, gotten into a position, uh, a piece of land, wherever they are, uh, where they're able to do good. What I want to question is what's the, what's the rationale behind which we're deciding where we live and who we live with, who our neighbors are. Yeah. Because something I've talked with Trent about quite a bit is the, the fact that we've lost the connection from fathers to sons. We've, we've lost the, the heritage that you'd pass on of, you know, of being in a community where your family knows who you are and your community knows who you are because they know who your father was and they respect you because they respected your father. And you're going to walk in his footsteps. You're going to do what he did. He's going to teach you. You're going to support each other. This is what we're, this is what we're missing. This is what we've lost, and it's what we, we're, honestly, I think what we're looking for. I think we're looking for somewhere where we can feel at home, and we don't have it. Yeah. So, 
the way to build that is first by actually taking stock of where you are. The second thing is what do you actually want it to be? And then what are you willing to sacrifice to get there? Because if you, if you don't know where you are, you'll, you, you can't act. This is the, the point of giving the, getting the map and then getting on the road. See what's the situation you've been given. And then think about, well, what, what do I want? And if you're not where you want to be, what are you willing to do to achieve that? I, I've been uh, working, I'm driving here to Rockford for who knows how long because I wanted to have that connection. And I realized at a certain point, I need to put my, I need to invest in what I'm wanting to do. I need to actually say, hey, uh, this is valuable to me. I'm, I'm willing to act on it. I'm willing to take a risk. I'm willing to try and put, to use another word from Nassim Tlaib, skin in the game. Yeah. Because if this is valuable enough for me to talk about it, I want to show that it's worthwhile. I want to put energies towards the things that I'm wanting to invest in. And if that means I don't get a really nice house or if it means, you know, maybe I have to do a little bit more work on a property to, to get it up to speed. Or if it means that, um, yeah, we're all going to live in a little cramped house. Okay. So be it. And maybe that's not the, a, a, a risk you have to take. Maybe it means I have to move away from some, you know, from, from the, the grocery store. I'm not, we don't have access to that. Or, um, maybe it means, I'm moving away from family who don't share my values because they are so misaligned and they, they just, they don't see how the world works. I need to go somewhere where I can act on my values with their support. And, I, and to a certain extent, I blaze a trail. This is a very American idea. Uh, but then this is something that I've also been considering. Uh, what's my goal? Is my goal to build a village or is it to build a city? Or is it to just, I mean, ultimately it's just to do what's in front of me. But if I cannot see the value of a city as a place where you can do what we're talking about, where you can be together with people in a walkable community, having a lot of impact on your locality as opposed to being spread out. If you're not, if, if we inherently dislike that, we've, we're missing a valuable opportunity. Uh, so maybe that's something that someone that we need to think about. How do you how do you retake a city? How do you uh, regroup and then go in and colonize someplace? Right, gentrification. Forget gentrification. Let's go more intense. Let's colonize. Let's let's go all the way and find the point where sounds great. Find the point where you and ten other people can move into a an urban area and plant a church. Who knows? I don't know what that path looks like, um, but you have. There's going to be or risk even involved. better than planting a church. I was going to say even better than planting a church. Take one that's already there, and build what you can. Use the institutions that are available and reduce the energy that you're going to expend on trying to preserve something, uh, or or build new. You know, right. Find where your energy is best spent. It's a, it's a jujitsu principle that comes very, very well into life. Uh, and, and honestly, it's a military principle as well. Like, uh, smooth, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. 
if you're yeah. if you're putting your energy into doing one hard thing really intensely you're going to waste your energy and you're not going to achieve as much as you could now you might catch somebody off guard the first or second or third time but is that the point or is the point to do things in a an efficient way and you know he who hastens with his feet sins uh, to to walk it's 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 been a very great blessing to me but it's been something i've had to take deliberately and deliberately work towards and continue to pray that it may be blessed this work that we're doing here mm -hmm. but it requires a different view of how i'm wanting to live where i'm willing to restrict my own freedoms for the sake of my children's future yeah that's not easy and that's not instinctual to a lot of americans 